My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. that we need to see reform in corrections in the judicial system. This is a great opportunity to take a stand on this. This is not, you know, expanding an existing prison. This is not replacing. This is building a new facility that will allow for the expansion of incarceration. So I'm hoping that the message will resonate That's for the a voice lot of people. Of who Colleen Linus. She and Victor Lachance are today's guests on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles, talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. Linus and Lachance are residents of Kempville, Ontario, a town of 4,000 people about 50 kilometers south of Ottawa in the municipality of North Grenville. In late August 2020, Ontario Premier Doug Ford Solicitor General Sylvia Jones, and Steve Clark, the MPP for the region encompassing Kempville, held a media conference at which they announced that the province plans to build a new 235-bed jail in the town. Ford indicated that the new jail in Kempville, along with other expansions of provincial incarceration infrastructure announced at the same time, were aimed at reducing overcrowding and at creating jobs. When they heard this announcement, Linus, Lachance, and many other residents of the town were shocked. There had been no public consultation whatsoever, and even the municipal government had been given only two days' advance notice. Certainly that lack of consultation is one reason that they and other residents have begun to work in opposition to the proposed jail. But it is far from the only reason. There is concern that existing infrastructure and services in the town are not equipped to handle an institution of that size. Though the province has suggested there will be significant economic benefits for the town, opponents say that evidence from other small communities shows that the benefits resulting from hosting a jail or prison are minimal to non-existent. And Linus said that even if there were demonstrable financial benefits, quote, there's something really unsavory about linking prosperity with incarceration, end quote. Though certainly some of the opposition for some residents is related to just not wanting that kind of facility in their town, which is fair enough, Lachance says that it is, quote, not a case of not in my backyard. Really, the issue is that prisons shouldn't be in anyone's backyard, period, end quote. He argues, for one thing, that expanding the provincial jail system is unnecessary to deal with overcrowding. Most people in provincial jails are there on remand while awaiting trial or sentencing, and even the province admits that the remand system is broken. Plus, the temporary measures enacted in the last year to reduce jail populations for pandemic-related reasons have shown how easy it would be to just not lock so many people up. As well, at least some residents have taken up some of the broader opposition to incarceration that has become so much more publicly visible in the last year or so. This analysis argues that incarceration does not address the root causes of problems, does not make people safer, and disproportionately targets black, indigenous, racialized, and poor communities. Instead of spending hundreds of millions of dollars on building and operating this new jail, that money should be spent on meeting people's needs, addressing root causes, and creating a just recovery from the pandemic. Among Kempville residents, two different groups are opposing the jail. One is called the Jail Opposition Group, or JOG, 
and the other, the one that Linus and Lachance are part of, is called the Coalition Against the Proposed Prison, or CAP, Kempville. JOG is more membership-based, a bit more narrowly focused in terms of issues, and, according to today's guests, a bit more politically conservative. CAP has taken more of a big tent approach and works to be a platform for all sorts of opposition to the jail. They are a smaller group, but one that brings together a range of what they describe as stakeholders, including JOG, and the two groups work closely together. CAP's work to oppose the jail has included countering what they describe as inadequate and misleading information coming from the government. They have also built a website, engaged in media and social media work, produced a flyer, hosted public events, participated in protests, and lobbied politicians. Opposing a measure to which a majority government is committed is never easy, but the group is encouraged by how often Doug Ford's conservatives have been forced to back away from misguided initiatives, and they plan to add to that list. Along with their hard work in Kempville itself, they've been building relationships with prison justice organizers in Ottawa, and they're hopeful that people concerned about policing and incarceration from all parts of the province will speak up in solidarity. I speak with Linus and Lachance about the work of Cap Kempville. My name is Colleen Linus, and I live in Kempville, Ontario, which is part of the municipality of North Grenville, and I actually retired here after having lived in the Hamilton area. And I am a part of the organization, the Coalition Against the Proposed Prison, which is a group of Campville, Ontario residents opposed to the provincial government's proposed plan for a 235 bed correctional facility within our town. I have a history of politically, I lean left, and I have a history of having done some work in the women's movement, certainly in my 20s and 30s before I got busy with children. And one of the things certainly that was most striking for me in this particular case was the lack of community consultation. It was a completely top-down announcement from the provincial government. Our own municipal council was not consulted or advised in any way. They were given two or three days notice before it was publicly announced. There was no consultation or consideration of the impact on the community. And simply as a resident of this community and a resident of Ontario, I thought it was poor politics, disrespectful, and not the way that very critical decisions should be made. My name is Victor Lachance, and I moved to Kempville as part of a downsizing process. I too am left-leaning, but I have worked in three separate fields, I suppose. I worked in the health field in the past. I worked in sport ethics. And then I was out on my own, primarily helping people develop strategic plans and campaigns and that sort of thing. In my work in the past, I have, in fact, gotten involved in advocacy work and public policy and social change. I also did some work not directly associated with my employment in this case, but work against the death penalty, ensuring that Canada you know, did not have the death penalty. And more on the sort of promotion side, health programs that promoted, for example, heart health or children's health, women's health, those sorts of things. So it was not unfamiliar to me, the sort of things that people would want to try to achieve through activism, lobbying, advocacy, public events, and that sort of thing. And when Colleen surfaced as a very visible leader on this issue, 
that's certainly what attracted me to CAP and made it easy for me to feel that I could contribute something to the cause. Tell the listeners a bit about Kempville. When we were thinking of downsizing, Kempville simply wasn't on our radar. But I have a sister who lives here, and we ended up moving here. And to me and my wife, what was important was the rural aspect of this small village of 4,000 people, which had all the amenities that you would want. But at the same time, it was very easy to feel that you were in the country. And that's what attracted us to Kempville. We have wonderful neighbors and so on. And we feel that we're part of something. And I have to admit that when the prison issue came up, even though I hadn't lived here very long, I felt very protective of this village, very protective of its balance of rural and urban, very protective of its vision of green and growing, as the municipal council would describe it. And a sustainable Kempville is another thing that's out there. From a political perspective, it's an interesting mix. The rural side tends to be more conservative. And I think within Kempville, you're getting more and more people moving from bigger places like Ottawa and so on, some younger people coming in. And I think you find within the village, it's a more interesting dynamic. So we like it here quite a bit. And we would like to keep it the way it is as much as possible. And we don't think that a prison will help achieve that. If anything, it's going to undermine really what Kempville is and what Kempville could continue to be. If I could just add a couple of other things about Kempville, again, within the municipality of North Granville, about a 30-minute drive from Ottawa. The history of Kempville is very much one of an agricultural town. The Kempville Agricultural School was actually established in 1917, right in the boundaries of the town. And a part of that land is the land that the province is actually targeting to pave over, so existing farmland, to build this new prison to essentially take pressure off of what they describe as the current pressures on the Ottawa Carleton Detention Center. So its proximity to Ottawa, combined with the fact that the province owned this land, led them to make this decision. But again, of course, it was without any consideration of both the issues for the town and the implications for us, but also the notion that the solution to the pervasive problems in our correctional system is to simply expand, to build more jail cells in order to incarcerate more people. One of the real big takeaways for those of us who are intimately involved with CAP is that it's much broader an issue than just the impact on our town. I think we've all become very much more sensitive and educated to the really horrid systemic issues that just perpetuate incarceration for people without dealing with the fundamental reasons why they're at that point in their life. So you've already mentioned a couple of reasons why many residents of Kempville are opposed to the jail that the province wants to build, but I'm sure there are lots more reasons than that. What are some of the others? Well, you're right, Scott, in that it's very extensive, the reasons why people are opposed. And one of the goals of CAP has been to really be a voice for all of those reasons. And this just presents as such an ill-conceived plan, given the number of reasons why people have opposition. From a local point of view, you know, it's things like the arable land that they want to pave over. Part of the history of the Kempville College, land that our own municipality told our MPP, Steve Clark, that they wanted to try to attain for our municipality. 
our own MPP knew full well that our municipality, in fact, wanted to try to purchase that land and keep it as an agricultural and green kind of hub within the community. So that's a big one. The other piece that Victor's talked about is just the pure size of our community and the, you know, 4,000 people. It's literally going to be situated right beside our Welcome to Kentville sign. And so the impact of the loss of the future vision for the municipality, which was focused much more on like the green and growing kind of philosophy, positive economic development, downtown revitalization, growing our regional tourism. And one of the things, again, that ourselves and many in the community have come to realize is the negative impacts of prisons in any size community because of the fact that they're associated with, you know, unhealthy jobs, violence, uh, you know, perpetrated against both jail guards, but also the prisoners, and just the negative headlines that are going to go along with having a large correctional institution in such a small community. When the announcement was made, the big focus was this idea that this was economic development. Doug Ford specifically linked it to a post-pandemic recovery. And there's something really unsavory about linking prosperity with incarceration. And we've not only come to learn that it's a false narrative in that the literature shows us that, in fact, small communities do not do well economically as a result of having a prison in their community. But it's also the fact that, again, the idea of building economic prosperity through the expansion of incarceration, many in the community, I think, are now seeing that as a false and very unsavory narrative. As we started to look into it, we started to learn more and more about prisons. And one thing that helped me certainly feel very motivated about this is that it was not a case of not in my backyard. Really, the issue is that prisons shouldn't be in anyone's backyard, period. And when you look at the broader issue, it just became clear that this is something that Kempville Municipal Council, the residents here, should simply not be involved in. The province will say a new jail is needed and they have to be built somewhere. In fact, the research clearly shows that if the province simply took the steps that they know they need to take and have publicly acknowledged that they want to take to fix the bail and remand system, then they wouldn't need to build a new prison. Anywhere from 60 to 70% of the population in provincial jails are people on remand or awaiting sentence. They don't need to be in jail when you're simply waiting for your day in court. And if anything was a good test of that theory is the pandemic, where the province wanted to reduce the crowding or simply the proximity of people within the jail. And they released approximately 30 to 35 percent of the people from the jails, people who were simply on remand. And it didn't make any news. It wasn't a major issue. There was no increase in local crime. There wasn't a problem with people disappearing and not showing up for their day in court. They demonstrated themselves that they could reduce the population of the jails by about a third that would solve any overcrowding that exists. And you wouldn't need to build another jail anywhere. There isn't an increase in crime in Ontario. It's been decreasing over several years. So there are solutions before you even begin to think about building a prison. Experts in the field estimate that this particular jail will cost about $250 million over several years to build and initially set up and then operate and so on. 
And this is money that could be much better spent on issues that we already know exist, including recovery from the pandemic and things like health and what we've learned about nursing homes or social assistance and those sorts of things that tend to prevent crime in the first place and therefore reduce the need for prisons. Now, locally, they talked about jobs. It was clear that there's no evidence and the government has backed away from the idea that there would be any sustainable long-term jobs created by this jail for the area, for Kempville or North Grenville and so on. Another thing is they said that they looked at over 100 sites before choosing this one. And to date, they still have not provided the information about those sites. And at least people in a situation of being unable to evaluate the merit of the government's proposal for why they chose Kempville, a 235-bed prison with a 4,000 population of Kempville, that ratio doesn't exist anywhere in the province. Prisons of this size are typically found at minimum in towns of 20,000 people You know that fit into an industrial base already. Then they make claims that it'll be a state-of-the-art facility. They've never built anything different than what they've always built. It doesn't really make any difference. They've made these claims before. We also know that prisons put a demand on our local services, like you know water and sewage, or our hospital. This would simply put a demand on the hospital, especially emergency needs, and there's no capacity for the hospital to take on this significant demand. And then in an even broader way, there are many people who are concerned about the justice system, the jail system, the extent to which it incarcerates a disproportionate number of Indigenous people, Black people, people suffering from mental health, people suffering from addictions. The vast majority of those being health issues, not incarceration issues. You don't treat mental health by putting people in jail. You don't put people who are addicted to drugs in jail. There's other ways of treating that. And you certainly don't disproportionately jail identifiable populations. If that's happening, then you need to look at why it's happening and deal with the root causes of those issues. So people are connecting with CAP on all of these kind of concerns, which is why we act primarily as a platform for people to become informed, to share information back and forth about their concerns, and collectively then feel a sense of purpose in trying to prevent the province from going ahead with this bad idea. How was CAP founded? There were sort of like two movements in Kempville roughly at the same time. One side, their orientation was more from a conservative political view. And they were able to attract 200 or so people who, you know, offered up their email address, wanted to know what was going on and so on. And at the same time, there was a bit more of a liberal left sort of leaning orientation that from where I sit, was really generated by Colleen. Colleen has played a really important leadership role in helping to define the debate. What she and then people like me and a few others felt what was really going to be useful was a platform for people to be able to come together and on one hand be informed, on the other hand be able to connect with each other, to be able to share their concerns, and in the ways that they connected with each other, then be able to take action And so some of that targeted municipal council. But CAP's main thing at the moment is not really to build a membership or a large coalition per se. The coalition tends to form itself around the ways that people, for example, attend the events that we put on to fulfill the purpose that I described. 
anybody who wants to be involved with this issue has a choice between CAF and this group called the Jail Opposition Group. And the two of us work together. The Jail Opposition Group and the Coalition Against Proposed Prison do things together. We share information. We plan things together. We've done joint delegations to municipal council. But it's natural and I think important that there continues to be these two groups because it actually broadens the reach and ways in which people can participate and contribute to the campaign against the prison. CAP itself is a relatively small group of people. And our goal was really to build connections and relationships with organizations and individuals who were opposed to the prison. And we wanted to have as big a tent as possible. We opted for this concept of stakeholders. Stakeholder organizations and community groups represent the many voices expressing concern and or opposition to the proposed plan to build a prison in Campville. And then we invited people to join us. And and the first group that we connected with is a group out of Ottawa, the Criminalization and Punishment Education Project, acronym is CPEP. To learn more about that prison abolitionist collaboration among faculty, students, and community members, look online for the Talking Radical Radio episode from June 2020 with Suhail Bensleman. I simply reached out to them, and they were quite eager to work with us. And we've also been successful in developing a working relationship with Elizabeth Fry Society of Ottawa, which is also opposed to the expansion of incarceration into the building of this prison. The P4W Memorial Collective, which is a group of women, ex-prisoners from the very notorious P4W in Kingston. So it's been a great opportunity. As we've reached out, we've, of course, learned from people who are living and breathing this stuff all the time. But our stakeholders include the jail opposition group. So some of our initiatives are joint. So we work very collaboratively with them. We also have a local businessman and his organization, Agritech Alliance, as a stakeholder. So we've tried to make it broad and we've tried to learn from people who know a whole lot more than we do on this subject and then find ways to bring that to the community. What kinds of actions have you been taking? It's been pretty varied. Our first act was to develop a website, but also we started with our first public forum. We really wanted to counter some of the information that had been coming from the ministry, as well as our own council, unfortunately. We held our first public forum in December of 2020, We've since held a couple of others. So public education has been a big priority. We've also taken the opportunity when we can to engage directly with council. We've had a couple of face-to-face conversations with the mayor and some members of council. And we're continuing to expand our reach on social media. We've started a Twitter account and very recently Instagram just was on a call last night. We've got a group of younger people who are interested in looking at some strategies to engage local young people and youth in the issue as well. And Victor's done some great stuff, both with council and also trying to engage Steve Clark's office. I suppose the effective word here is trying. I've been in touch with some of his staff. I mean, they've been relatively polite, but the conversations don't necessarily lead to anything concrete, including having a meeting with or MPP uh, Steve Clark. But some of the other things that we've done, we have set up a GoFundMe campaign that's collected some money in order for us to distribute a leaflet throughout Kempville, which is in the process. We've, of course, been involved in letter writing to the local paper here. 
We've done some opinion editorials. We've been invited to do guest editorials. We have done two podcasts that touched upon uh, the prison. We were able to participate in the first stakeholder session that the province hosted. We set up a Zap email system to make it easier for people to communicate with their local and provincial representatives and other people within the provincial government, including the premier. So it's been those kinds of activities and the collaborative ones with the jail opposition group who hosted, I think, two or three protests. And we're in the midst of putting together some other interesting things that we haven't yet made public. So the province wants this jail built. Your municipal council has been less clear about their position and have mostly tried to avoid talking about the issue, but they seem to be acting like they support the jail. What do you see as your path to winning this? And how can people elsewhere in the province act in support? We're kind of bifurcated because on one hand, you want to be able to deal with the municipal council that we feel is acting irresponsibly or in an ill-informed way. And yet the people that we need to deal with is at the provincial level. And that would be made substantially easier if the municipal council was opposed to this. So it's a difficult path at the moment. And it's unpredictable in the sense that there are other things that will come into play. There's an election in 2022 that might be a significant thing that would affect the plan for the prison. But it's not 100% clear. In terms of what people can do provincially, I'd love to see people visit our website. They can also then access us via Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And they can also participate in our email zap. We'd love to be hearing back from the other provincial parties as we come up to another election to see where they sit on this issue. We don't have that yet, but the more people who participate in that emails app would be ideal. And the other thing is there is a change.org petition. So if they just Google change.org, Kempville Prison. For people who are not sure how they feel about this issue, and I can appreciate that, you know, not living in the area, they may feel obviously less of a connection to it. Two things to keep in mind. I think many, many people are unhappy with the top-down approach that this provincial government has taken on a number of issues, not the least of which are very contentious, damaging environmental decisions that they've made through ministerial zoning orders. This is very much what they've done here, a very top-down, undemocratic process. But the other thing is, if people are listening and they feel strongly that we need to see reform in corrections in the judicial system, this is a great opportunity to take a stand on this. This is not, you know, expanding an existing prison. This is not replacing. This is building a new facility that will allow for the expansion of incarceration. So I'm hoping that the message will resonate for a lot of people who feel it's time that we make some real fundamental changes to the way we deal with inequity and disenfranchised people within our province. We want people to realize this is not a done deal. I mean, the province may talk that way, but this is a province that's backed away from bad ideas before. They just come up with ideas they think are good, and the moment they announce them, then people who know better, and experts and so on, point out to them all of the reasons why this is just a dumb idea. And this is one of them. This is a dumb idea. So it's by no means a done deal. You have been listening to my interview with Colleen Linus and Victor Lachance of Cap Kempville. For more information about their struggle against the proposed prison and to find ways to act in support, go to Coalition Against Proposed Prison. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.